Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Please be advised that the descriptions in this podcast are graphic. This is Chapter 11 of Blood and Truth, a podcast from the Tampa Bay Times. Today, Shapes of Hope. I'm Leonora LaPeter Anton. This story is about a man who has now served 47 years on Florida's death row. He says he's innocent. For more than two decades, he's been asking the state to allow for complete DNA tests of the evidence in his case. For a long time, Florida kept saying no. Recently, that changed. What do you fear most right now? Fear most. I guess dying before the uh, DNA testing comes back and I get my chance to have a trial. Because you can't say I got a fair trial. I mean, even Ms. Worrell said I didn't get a fair trial. If you've listened to earlier episodes, you know Tommy Ziegler was convicted of shooting and killing his wife, Eunice, his in-laws, Perry and Virginia Edwards, and another man, Charlie Mays, inside his family's furniture store. It happened in Winter Garden, Florida, on Christmas Eve, 1975. Ziegler, 29 then, told police he fought with Mays and others who tried to rob him. He said in the darkness of the store, someone hit him over the head. He lost his glasses and was shot in the stomach. But Ziegler's handyman, Edward Williams, showed up at the police station within hours of the killings with a different story and one of the murder weapons. He's deceased now, but the handyman told police that he went to the store to help Ziegler deliver last-minute Christmas gifts. Williams said Ziegler, whose glasses were sprinkled with blood, tried to shoot him, then handed him the malfunctioning gun. An Orange County Sheriff's Office detective decided almost immediately that Ziegler had committed the mass killing to collect on his wife's insurance policy. The trial was contentious, with shadows of Southern race relations, and a judge who ordered a psychiatrist to give a distraught juror Valium. It landed Ziegler on Florida's death row in July 1976. This is, as far as we can tell, the longest stint of anyone living on death row right now in the country. It's been three years since we released the last episode. In fact, it came out just days before the start of the pandemic. At that time, Tommy Ziegler's lawyers had failed to convince then-state attorney Arama Sayala 
to let him test the evidence. This happened even though Monique Worrell, who founded Ayala's new Conviction Integrity Unit, recommended the testing. Worrell told her boss the office had, quote, a moral obligation to re-examine the evidence. But Ayala, a progressive state attorney, rejected Worrell's guidance. Ayala said she didn't think Ziegler deserved another, quote, stab at the apple. Had Tommy Ziegler gotten too many chances to plead his case? Or did he deserve to use the latest technology? He hoped the testing could unlock clues to his innocence in the victim's fingernail clippings, clothes, even a vomit pile. With so many death row errors in Florida, 30 and counting, the most of anywhere in the country, wasn't it worth making sure? Then Ziegler got more bad news. In early 2020, a bill failed in the Florida legislature that would have made it easier for inmates to seek DNA testing. This shut out Ziegler and inmates like him from testing their evidence with modern forensic methods. Here's Terry Hadley, who defended Ziegler at his 1976 trial. I think it is a terrible injustice that the state of Florida doesn't have laws that would allow a defendant in prison, in this case on death row, to, at his own expense, test evidence that we believe will exonerate him. The chances were not looking good for Ziegler. He'd already asked the courts to test his evidence six times. Ayala had been his last shot. Then one day in April 2020, Monique Worrell sent me an email. Quote, I thought you might be interested in this, she wrote. It was an announcement. Worrell, who was by then the former head of the Conviction Integrity Unit, the one who argued Ziegler should get the testing, said she was running for state attorney to replace Ayala. Worrell, 47, had been an assistant public defender and a criminal defense attorney. She'd left the 9th Judicial District State Attorney's Office in 2020 to take a job as chief legal officer at Reform Alliance, a New York nonprofit created by rappers Jay-Z and Meek Mill that is devoted to probation and parole reform. Worrell's campaign for state attorney focused on reforms to the juvenile justice system, police accountability, and an end to mass incarceration, among other things. She connected with protesters in the Black Lives Matter movement in the wake of George Floyd's murder. She received endorsements from singer John Legend and Democrats Bernie Sanders and Kamala Harris. In a phone interview a few days before the election, she said her work as founder and director of Ayala's Office on Wrongful Convictions in Orange and Osceola counties planted the seed to run. I always knew that there was injustice within the criminal justice system. I did not realize until I worked as an assistant state attorney how prevalent it is and how little was being done to rectify it. So collectively, these were the issues that led me to run. At the time, Worrell would not commit to a course of action in Ziegler's case. My opinion on that case has not changed. So I can't speak to what I will do as state attorney, but I can tell you that my opinion on that case has not changed. In the August 2020 primary, Worrell shocked almost everyone when she beat three experienced insiders. There was no Republican contender, and she beat an independent candidate in November. Lynn Marie Cardi, Ziegler's private investigator, saw Worrell like some sort of rising star over Tommy Ziegler's case. 
who would think that she would leave her position, go to really high position, you know, with Jay-Z Carter and uh, Van Taylor uh-huh. and work for Reform Alliance and then come back and run and win. It's just amazing. It's just unbelievable. It's like a full circle moment that finally went in his in his favor. On a nippy morning in January 2021, Worrell arrived at the steps of the Orange County Courthouse with her husband and children in tow, all of them wearing matching gray, red, and gold jackets. Flanked by giant black and white nutcrackers left over from the holidays, outgoing state attorney Arama Sayala took her through the oath of office, and Worrell spoke through blasts of wind. Will you raise your right hand and repeat after me? I, Monique Houghton Worrell. I, Monique Houghton Worrell. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. What can you expect from me? To seek justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. Walking humbly means that I understand that this movement is not about me. This movement is about the will of the people and that our criminal legal system be reformed. I am but only a catalyst to that reform. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We have seen our share of injustice across the nation, especially over the last year. So I say, conversely, what if justice anywhere is a threat to injustice anywhere? What if achieving justice here in the Ninth Judicial Circuit serves as an impetus to eradicating injustice throughout our nation? Afterwards, I spoke with Worrell briefly. She talked about why she ran. It was realizing how much room for injustice there was in our system. It was realizing that we were sending people to prison based on the unreliable testimony of eyewitnesses, knowing that there's science that says that faulty eyewitness testimony is the leading cause of wrongful conviction in this country, that we were actually sentencing people to death based on that. I asked her about the Ziegler case. My thoughts are that anything that is within the interest of justice, my administration is going to do. So if that means providing DNA testing in a case that doesn't have any other corroborating evidence, then that's what we need to do. Um, But again, this is a case-by-case basis, so I don't have a blanket answer. We talked about a significant coincidence. For the past 15-plus years, she had been living in Winter Garden, the same small town that Ziegler had called home all those years ago, where four people were murdered inside a furniture store. So have you heard about Ziegler's case throughout the, those 15 years? I had not. Really? I had not. I had not heard about his case until I started working at the state attorney's office as director of conviction integrity. Does anybody, do you hear about it when you walk the streets or when you go down to the restaurant or anything like that? No? So nobody, nobody's talked about it or anything with you? No. Wow. The town of Winter Garden, about 10 miles north of the Magic Kingdom, had moved on. It was now charming, historic, drawing tourists, diners, and theatergoers. So different from when Ziegler was a child, when it was surrounded by orange trees and segregated. His family's furniture store, founded in 1939, 
had been the first in town to offer credit to black customers. So Ziegler, who is white, had grown up riding his bike into black neighborhoods to collect on those debts for his family. He told me he was raised by a young black woman named Mary because his mother worked. Six months before the murders, he testified as a character witness on behalf of a black man. The man, who owned a bar, was accused of selling marijuana to an undercover officer from his business. Judge Maurice Paul, who would later become the judge at Ziegler's trial and would eventually override Ziegler's jury and sentence him to death, was at that point a lawyer for the Division of Beverage Control. He spoke on behalf of the state in the case against the black bar owner. Now, Worrell, a black woman, had reviewed the murder case and found the judge's conflict of interest troubling, and she had the potential to release the ropes of history that had kept the case from being fully explored for so many decades. But then months passed, and Ziegler's lawyers heard nothing. Hadley reached out again. Quote, I am now personally begging you for the opportunity for us to test this evidence, Hadley wrote and prove to the world that the state of Florida is seeking justice in this cause. Weeks later, Ziegler secured one of his first wins in years. Worrell's office signed off on letting him test the evidence in his case. The request still had to be approved by a judge, but Ziegler's lawyers celebrated. Leonora, I see it like going out and taking a drink and dancing in the street. This is something we've been trying for so long. I mean, when they first said it, I'll tell you, I, I started crying. I just, I, you know, it touched me so because this man deserves a fair chance. He deserves a chance to prove his innocence. Cardi, Ziegler's private investigator who has worked on the case for free for more than a decade, was equally overwhelmed. I can, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm thrilled. I can barely control myself. I'm so excited and I'm so happy for him. It goes to show you if you fight hard enough, you can get answers. You can get, you can get somebody to listen. But my God. It's been, it's t- it took too long. It really did. Worrell also signed an agreement with the Innocence Project to test the evidence of another death row inmate. Henry Cerici was convicted months after Ziegler in the same county by the same prosecutor in front of the same judge, Maurice Paul. Their cases would become intertwined. Cerici had been sentenced to death in 1976 for stabbing to death a used car lot owner. The physical evidence against Cerici included a hair found on the owner's sock. A lab analyst at the time said it was microscopically identical to Cerici's hair, but that science has now been discredited. The analyst also said the blood on a denim jacket believed to be Cerici's matched the victim's blood group. Representing Cerici was Nina Morrison, then a lawyer with the Innocence Project, now a U.S. District Judge in New York. Quote, it's been a long and winding road for a simple DNA test, she told me. It's a very stark example of why elections matter. In a phone interview, Worrell said it was not a tough decision to grant Ziegler and Cerici's requests. When you have someone who's charged with murder, particularly um, someone who's been sentenced to death, um, I don't believe that we have the luxury of ignoring advancements in science that may be able to um, prove their innocence or disprove their guilt. I asked Worrell if she had faced opposition to the decisions within her office. These are decisions that I find to be solely within my discretion. So no, I didn't receive any pushback, but I also didn't ask anyone for their opinion. But the fight wasn't over. 
Florida's Attorney General Ashley Moody intervened. The effort to halt testing came in the form of a notice. It was filed in June 2021 by Patrick Bobeck, an assistant attorney general. He said that since Moody's office was co-counsel in the case, and all capital cases, it should have been notified of the agreement between Ziegler's lawyers and Worrell. I reached out to retired 18th Judicial Circuit Judge O.H. Eaton, a death penalty expert who said he was baffled by the Attorney General's intervention. Why would the Attorney General of Florida want to complain about uh, having a test that's going to basically assure that we're not executing an innocent person? I, I, I just, sorry, I can't get past that. Kylie Mason, a spokesperson for Moody, said the testing agreement between Ziegler's lawyers and Worrell's office failed to comply with Florida's rules of criminal procedure. That's because any testing, regardless of what it might reveal, would not outright exonerate Ziegler, she said. Florida's two-decade-old DNA law stops inmates who can't immediately show through testing that they are innocent. DNA testing is granted only when it will clearly exonerate, such as in a sexual assault that could point to another rapist. But the law's original authors told me they never intended for it to be this difficult for inmates to obtain DNA analysis. For the next 19 months, the Attorney General tried to stop the state from releasing the evidence in both cases to a lab. Then, in December 2022, Patricia Stobridge, the judge in Ziegler's case, released the evidence for testing. As I stated to the attorneys before, the court clearly does have a responsibility for the protection and preservation of the evidence. Um, and the court does have an obligation to ensure that this is going to provide finality to the questions that were raised by defense. So that being said, I wanted to make sure that the order was very clear that Mr. Ziegler has been given the right to test all of it. Anything he wants tested can be tested. Outside the courtroom, Ziegler's lawyers were overjoyed. I entered the elevator with a silver-haired Dennis Tracy, who had represented Ziegler for free since 1987, and David Michaeli, a younger attorney at their law firm, Hogan Lovells, which was paying for the testing. So tell me a little bit about like what this means for you guys. It's, it's, uh, it's potentially huge. It, it means that dozens and dozens of pieces of evidence uh, that have been in storage for decades can finally be released and tested. And whatever story those pieces of evidence can tell will, will be told. They told me they had already spent two days reviewing the evidence, cataloging it. Um, I know you went and saw Tommy Ziegler in prison recently, right? He told me that. Um, how, how did he seem to you? How was his health? His health is okay. He's, he's 77 years old. He's doing everything he can to look after himself. But there's a limit to what you can do to look after yourself in a 6 by 9 cell. And uh, you can only do so many push-ups. And he has some heart issues. And it, it is really critical that this testing go forward now. I asked him about Tommy Ziegler's mood. Tommy knows from 47 years of being incarcerated that anything that can go wrong probably will in his case. And so he's learned to be, to temper any, any excitement, but he also understands that this is a big deal and, and a, a really big break for this case. And we might finally get some answers. I think he's extremely excited about that. Days later on December 22nd, 
Moody's office appealed to the Florida Supreme Court to stop Tommy Ziegler's evidence from leaving for DNA testing in California. Quote, release of the forensic evidence in this case harms the state, the public, and the victims of Ziegler's crimes, all of whom are entitled to finality, lawyers for the Attorney General wrote. But the evidence was already gone. Ziegler's attorneys had stood by the day of Stowbridge's decision while court personnel bagged up more than a hundred items, including a loose tooth, Ziegler's orange and brown socks, Eunice's trousers. On January 5th of this year, the Florida Supreme Court rejected the Attorney General's push to stop the testing. They offered no reason. The Attorney General quietly dropped its appeal. And so the battle, for now, was over. Moody's office responded by email to questions from the Tampa Bay Times. Quote, please remember that the Florida Attorney General's office is co-counsel in all capital post-conviction matters, and it is our office's duty to make sure post-conviction proceedings do not violate the law, a spokesperson wrote. Robert Dunham, a senior policy analyst and former executive director of the Death Penalty Information Center in Washington, D.C., told us that many states make it tough for inmates to obtain DNA testing. But the prosecutors who place the outcome above the accuracy, place the finality of a sentence uh, above whether the person may actually be innocent, those are the states in which we are seeing problems. Uh, In Georgia a couple of years ago, there were several cases back-to-back uh, in which DNA testing uh, could have established that the defendant either was not a participant or did not fire, um, did not handle the gun that um, that fired the fatal shots. Uh, and prosecutors successfully um, blocked DNA testing in those cases. He said what is happening in Florida in Ziegler and Cerici's cases is striking. Now you've got the two 45-year-old cases where the Attorney General has not just opposed testing, but has attempted to undo court orders to permit testing. That is among the most extreme conduct that we've seen anywhere in the country. I cannot think of a single legitimate reason to try to prevent the courts and the public from learning the truth about a potential wrongful capital prosecution. The lengths to which the prosecutors are going in these cases suggests that there is something to hide. Across the country, Dunham said he has seen a pattern of pushback to prosecutors trying to correct injustices in death penalty cases. Cases with similar issues have cropped up, he said, in Missouri and Arizona. He pointed to a case in Georgia where he said a man was executed in 2019 for shooting a convenience store clerk in 1994. There was no testing, even though the victim's daughter wrote three letters to the court supporting it. Quote, This leads me to the conclusion that the victim's rights extend only to those who support what the state apparently wants most in death penalty cases, the execution of the offender or alleged offender, the daughter said in the third letter. And in Jacksonville, Arkansas, the family of a death row inmate sued for testing, though it will be too late to save him. He was executed in 2017 for the 1993 murder of a 26-year-old woman. 
It was only after the man's death that the town city council agreed to turn over the evidence for testing, years after the courts turned his requests down. In 2021, an unidentified man's DNA was found on the bloody wooden club used in the killing. In 2018, the Tampa Bay Times reviewed the cases of 46 men on Florida's death row who asked for permission to test DNA. We found that judges turned down 38 of those men at least once. 19 men were denied all DNA testing, including eight who were later executed. In January, I pulled up to the parking lot outside Union Correctional Institution in Northeast Florida. I passed through half a dozen gates, including a chain link cage over a pathway that curved through the prison before arriving at the entrance of death row. Death row cells here are laid out like the spokes of a bicycle wheel, 13 men along a spoke. I met with Ziegler in a drab conference room with a copy machine next to the offices where the attorneys confer with inmates. Ziegler came in shackled, the chains stretching between his hands and feet. He was six feet tall, 133 pounds, like a matchstick. He tested positive for COVID-19 in 2020, along with just about everyone on his row and had struggled with breathing and heart problems. But I'll be honest, he smiled the most I've ever seen him smile in 13 years of covering this case. For most of the time he'd been here, if Ziegler wanted to talk to one of the other inmates about the roasting heat, the merciful rain showers, his aches and pains and worries, he'd have to yell down the row. But six months before, one of the cells on each row had been converted to a day room, the result of a settlement in a federal civil rights lawsuit that had ended permanent solitary confinement in Florida. Ziegler and five others on his row were allowed to sit in it together. Recently, the other inmates had been telling him his two-decade pursuit of DNA testing was over. His time had come. Now that the Attorney General had stepped aside, he was starting to think it too. <laughs> I've never understood why they, they fought us. I would have thought that they would have uh, been glad for us to have tested that material and not have had the expense of death row and so forth. What do you fear most right now? I guess dying before the uh, DNA testing comes back and I get my chance to have a trial. What would you do with your life? What, what's left of your life, I guess? What would you do? Try to change the system and make the system work like it's supposed to work. Ms. Anton, I've got 47 years. And yes. And when you've got 47 years into something, you, you really want to try to make it work. You want to try to make it right. And as you know, Florida has more people that have been exonerated from death row than any other state in the union. If, if the system works as it is written, it's a great system. Can't go wrong. But when you have personalities of state attorneys, of investigators, that are in the, the uh, program or, or, or so forth, the project, that actually make the determinations, that's where the falling comes into. 
This shouldn't happen. So how does the world seem to you from in here after 47 years? I mean, I know you haven't been out there. You haven't seen it. What do you see as somebody who can't really see it? The world today is not the world that I grew up in and the world that I lived in. It's changed completely. And we won't talk about the politics. What makes you the saddest about all this? Well, of course, I'm sad that uh, Eunice is dead and her mother and father are dead. I'm sad of my family has passed over the years. And <clears throat> everything that we had worked for, everything that we had planned for the future is gone. And to be honest with the whole system, uh, in itself is sad. Why do you say that? It's just not like I was raised. I was raised in a very old-fashioned, traditional family. And that's not there anymore. I don't think there's such a thing anymore. So what does this moment in the case represent to you right now? I think it represents the trial that I never got. Because you can't say I got a fair trial. I mean, even Ms. Worrell said I didn't get a fair trial. Last August, Governor Ron DeSantis removed a progressive state attorney in Hillsborough County in part because he said he would not prosecute abortion providers or those receiving abortions, though it had become state law to do so. There were indications DeSantis might do the same with Worrell over her failure to prosecute shooting suspect Keith Moses on a marijuana charge. Moses is accused of the February killing of a TV reporter, a nine-year-old, and her mother in Orlando. Worrell said she could not prosecute Moses in the prior case because the Florida Department of Law Enforcement could not determine whether the substance was hemp or marijuana. I asked Ziegler's lawyers what it might mean if Worrell were no longer in office. Of course I'm worried. Uh, it's very clear from comments that the governor made that he's gunning for, uh, you know, for her, uh, for Monique Worrell. You know, the, the order is final. It was appealed by the attorney general, and then their appeal was dismissed, so it's not an appealable order at this point in time. So I do not think anyone coming in to the office could change the order of the court that permits us to get the testing. Now, what someone could do, if they wanted to, is reverse course and become hostile to us presenting any of the evidence that is discovered by this testing and saying it doesn't matter, it's too late, and all of that. Hadley said the testing is well underway, with results expected by summer. Once they have answers, he told me, Ziegler's lawyers would file a motion to either admit the evidence as part of a request to find Ziegler innocent or seek a new trial. What worries you most right now? What works me most is that the evidence will come back and uh, uh, demonstrate that uh, Tommy Ziegler is guilty. I mean, I believe he's innocent. I believe he was innocent when I defended him at trial. I believe that he's innocent in the 46 years that I fought to get him a new trial and get him released. But I'm the first to acknowledge that I will understand it better when we've had a chance to review all of the evidence. So if it's done right, 
testing will clearly and unequivocally demonstrate that either he's innocent or he's guilty. Catch up with the earlier episodes of Blood and Truth on major hosting platforms. And if you like the series, please rate and review us on iTunes. This podcast was written by Leonora LaPeter Anton and edited by Claire McNeil. This episode was produced by Lauren Peace. Music by composers at pixabay.com. To read the full series online, go to tampabay.com slash bloodandtruth. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.